1: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings intro to DraftKings NBA. How do you play it? How do you win it doing? Which tournaments should you select? This is all going to be covered today. I myself am not a huge NBA DraftKings player. I more live on the golf and the football side of things, but I like to dabble every now and then. I always say that I'm gonna get really into basketball every single year, and then I forget because it like starts at the, when I start to get into it, it's around like Christmas time. And then I just completely forget. But I, I want to do it this year. We've got some great tools and advice for you. So if you go to FTNDaily.com right now, use code Mayo, you can get all of the tools you'll see in showcased in this show and all of the live streams, the advice, everything that you need to know to get yourself ready with all those last-minute changes going on in the NBA to get yourself ahead. So FTNDaily.com, you can find the link in the description. Plus, use code Mayo and get yourself a discount off of that. If you're serious, about playing DraftKings NBA this year. If you're not serious, then I suggest you don't get it. But if you do actually want to win, this is probably the route that you want to take. Joining me from FTNDaily.com. First up, the man who's doing a ton of live streams and a ton of work over there, fast, Eddie. Fear, what's going on, my man? How are you doing, St. Patrick? I, listen, I'm doing well. I, I like that I'm talking to you. You're going to inform me and the peoples of what I should be doing here. All right, so I'll do my very, very best. All right, and also from FTNDaily.com, Stefano Vaccarino, what is happening, man? What's up, Pat? Thanks for
2: having me on. I'm, I'm kind of fanboying here a little bit. I'm a big fan of the show, and I'm uh, honored to uh, be on it. I'm excited to talk some basketball.
1: Well, people can follow you on Twitter at Big Money Play. People know about Eddie. They can go follow fast Eddie Fear, but Big Money Play on Twitter for, for Stefano. And I see Eddie got in my head about how to pronounce your name. I had it right. Eddie's like, no, I, I pronounce it incorrectly. Now, now it's all just living up here. Anyway, here's where, here's where I want to start. Let's pretend Pat Mayo knows. I don't want to say nothing about the NBA. I know a base level about the NBA. I'm not a hardcore when it comes to hoops so Eddie first thing I do I click on NBA on DraftKings I'm searching tournaments I click on like hey, here's a tournament I want to play what should I be looking for like I can't just play James Harden in every spot so am I looking for minutes played from like these scrub guys like how do I go about constructing a lineup just on a very basic level
3: it's going to be tough for me to answer that question in under a half hour because this cues this me up for my number one basketball talking point. But um, you alluded to obviously a critical point in it, uh, which is to say that that minutes are king. What distinguishes basketball the most from all the other sports and the reason I focus on it solely is it is not unique, but very, very far to one end of a statistical spectrum that exists across all daily fantasy sports. And that spectrum is how predictable something is. Basketball is phenomenally predictable relative to golf or football or really anything the heck else. If you look at football or or baseball, um, there is the potential to score a massive number of points all at once with a home run or a 50-yard touchdown or something like that. So um, the ability to project things within a narrow range on any given day is really difficult. you'll see that if you look at results over the course of a year for Mike Trout or for, I don't know, Julio Jones or for any other big name player in those sports, but for basketball, because a, there are so many more scoring instances and B because they are for relatively small values. It's an immensely predictable sport. Um, You know, Mike Trout gets five chances to score on a day. LeBron James gets a hundred. He gets 25 chances to grab a rebound. He'll grab 10 or 15 of those. He gets 20 chances to get an assist. He gets 10 of those. He takes 15, 20, 25 shots. And all these things come up with a much narrower statistical profile. And uh, again, I'm sort of the the anti-Stefano in this way because Stefano is remarkably good at creating tools, great tools, next generation tools that go beyond the kind of data that in basketball has become remarkably commonplace because it is so incredibly predictable. And the basically the the two merits you're looking at there is everyone has a rate of fantasy points they tend to get. And we have massive sample sizes over days, months and years. And you multiply that by the amount of minutes they're supposed to play. And if you look at 20 people's projections, just this is how many points I think guys scores today. It tends to be a really homogeneous uh number because it is a very, very predictable sport. So Uh, You got it sort of right
1: on the nose that you want to play guys who are going to play. So this becomes a big problem, Stefano, because I'm not really paying attention necessarily all day long to the different rotations or at least know what the different rotations are going to be. So if someone gets yanked last minute and we find that out at, let's say, 6.48 p.m. Eastern time, how much can that affect the lineups that you're playing? I mean, it it affects
2: everything, right? You you can't you can't play NBA DFS well if you're not going to be around from that at least that final hour from six p.m. to seven p.m. Eastern uh, approaching lock. I would recommend you're available up until the last game starts because you never know what news might break for that West Coast you know game. But you know that's that's when you have the opportunity to leverage ownership. So if someone gets like if someone gets scratched, let's say at noon, um, and the backup center. It, who is a high fantasy point permitted producer, is at minimum price, everyone's going to play that player. And there's times where you have to you know, decide, is this player worth the ownership he's going to have? you want to be over the field or under the field? And this is something Eddie talks to on his stream all the time that he's so good at, is projecting what a person's ownership would be and whether it is worth that ownership to be even with it, under it, or over it. And so the later the news breaks, the less likely people are going to adjust to that ownership. So if you get LeBron James is scratched at, you know, 6.57 p.m. Eastern, he's playing an East Coast 7 p.m. game, you're going to have a lot of dead lineups. So you just always have to be around, uh, you know, for for that last minute news in order to adjust appropriately. And if you're not, I would recommend just not playing DF- NBA DFS that day because there's a good chance you're just you're not going to win and you're not going to be able to adjust accordingly.
1: Yeah, it's yep. it's essentially like not paying attention from eleven thirty five a.m. to block on NFL oh, Sunday.
3: It's, it's actually much it's much worse than that <laughs> because f- the percentage of players who are expected to play and play in football is massively higher than it is in basketball. Um, It's actually It touches on two of the things that are most important to playing NBA uh, DFS, one of which is being vigilant and keeping track of news and information, as you guys alluded to. But the second is also taking advantage of the times you are actually opportuned. Um, People miss all the time in basketball much more frequently than they do in football, and it happens a couple times a week. And being able to correctly implement that information, make the appropriate changes, and Also another key for me is increase your action as much as possible um, is basically the key to playing NBA DFS. I've gone on record and I'm pretty convinced this is the case because of how statistically predictable it is. No one in the world over a long time frame would ever beat NBA DFS without shit getting weird. But shit getting weird provides a massive opportunity. A guy goes out at 655. We had a, a few days ago, there was a Pacers showdown slate. Where Miles Turner is the starting center for the Pacers got scratched ten minutes before Slack before lock and that was preseason and we went oh everyone get in there because people screwed up and Miles Turner was thirty three percent owned I think so instead of there being a fifteen percent rake and every dollar I put in giving eighty five cents back to the field and prizes every dollar I put in gave back a dollar twenty two so one of the most critical things for me in all DFS but specifically in basketball is the ability to quickly implement changes into your lineups. Um, have people who are are listening and informed and can give you quick advice on on the other end of whatever line you're watching and be able to push more chips into the middle of the table. Um, For basketball, that is probably the most important thing. And it's largely, largely eschewed by a lot of other shows and places I don't see talking about it a lot. And it's the cornerstone of almost any other form of adversarial betting in casino, poker, life, sports, anything is that when you are advantaged, you should get more chips in the middle of the table. So much like in poker, you're going to fold a lot and wait to get the advantage. DFS, if crap never went weird, I don't think anyone would be reliably predictable over a long time. A 50% rake would break you all down. But there are two, five, seven, 12 times a year where we get news at 655 and I go, oh, everyone's going to make money. Put all your chips in the middle of the table. And if you were betting $100 a day, you should make that a 1,000 because that day is going to pay off the rest of your year very possibly. And uh, so that's sort of what we do. It's almost a letdown nine days out of 10, but that 10th day where you get some actionable information with a few seconds left, um, you can have everyone in the chat make money. Like there, there are days literally where um, 100% of the people watching the show cash because they're just paying attention and the rate goes from being 15% to negative 55% because some massively owned guy goes out and people simply don't react in time.
1: Uh, if you're watching the show right now, remember to smash the like button out there. And in the comment section, if you do play NBA DraftKings, give me your best tip for the season. People can go look at those. Stefano, any hit on it that you want to be paying attention. You want to be watching the live stream. You want to get that actionable advice right away. So you know when to pounce at ftndaily.com. Code mail for that discount. It seems like. The NBA package is probably the most valuable package that you could actually have because of the people either in Slack or doing the live streams and updating the projections and the ownership projections and giving this real-time advice when it matters the most that compared to football, I guess baseball could be close, although you have lineups out, or even golf where, you know, you do something on Tuesday, it's good till Thursday morning. Like, this is real actionable stuff. So what does FTNDaily.com have in store for basketball season?
2: So we are essentially a one-stop shop. We, we have it all. And I know that's a really broad and general answer, but, you know, we have, from, we have advanced tools, uh, you know, from advanced EVP and splits, what we'll kind of get into, to, you know, standard pace tools and, you know, uh, player stats and fantasy points per minute. We have live tracking of games so you can follow along, um, you know, how the games are going and see how your team is doing. And then we have really actual content where we go from cash game articles. We have two live streams, one uh, preceding Eddie's uh, live stream that is right before lock, where I'll be with Kyle Murray breaking down the slate from more of an analytical standpoint, going game by game saying, okay, these are the best matchups. And that will lead right into Eddie's stream where he breaks down the news and tells you, okay, this is a leverageable spot. Or, you know, maybe this isn't the greatest slate. Don't go all in. Or, oh, LeBron James just got scratched. Let's let's push the chips in the middle of the table. Uh, We have projections from Kyle Murray. We've got ownership projections from Kyle Murray. And those ownership projections are massive. And that's where you really get your edge. Uh, You know, if we identify bad chalk for you uh, using Kyle's ownership and then Eddie's stream or other tools that we have, you know there's a there's a real chance of a major leverage over the field of a player who might be 50 plus percent owned, and you come in at you know 15% if you're playing multiple lineups. So we really have everything you want from written content audio video premium tools projections ownership projections, you know what you need, we, we have the ability to provide
1: you know you a winning experience. Eddie, you're doing this stuff all day. You're trying to think about how the lineups are going, you know, going to go, and then you're trying to react to it. How difficult is it to say, hey, I've built my lineups, let's say, at 5 o'clock, and that's when I you know, have the basis of what I want to do. And then you get hit with this reaction at 6.51 p.m. Eastern. You're doing a live stream. How do you change your lineups? I don't have any lineups.
3: That's the only reason I host shows or do this at all is I'm not legally allowed to play. I'm a vice president at a company that publishes DFS contests throughout Europe and Asia. And, and and I just got off a call with the Ukraine. And my next one is with South Africa. So um, after uh, Ethan Gate uh, in uh, 2015, uh, both FanDuel and DraftKings told me to, to keep my business at home. So just like one of the employees of those uh, businesses, I'm, I'm not allowed to play. And not long after that... Um, one of the OGs of the daily fantasy business, Emacs, said, Hey, do you want to come on my show? And then we sort of took off like a, a rocket ship from there. And uh, it's been all dairy since then. But uh, I haven't, uh, yeah, I, I haven't been able to legally enter a DFS contest in, in a good five years and a couple months. And thank you for bringing up such a painful memory. Well, I'm sorry
1: about that, but it does speak to the fact that you're still giving out the advice on it so obviously oh yeah it's, it's oh I no would, no I no not, not, not even that i would have
3: tried to do both exactly. like i've seen there's been a number of times and we've we've i would not try to do both i was running thousands of dollars on up to seven or eight sites when this happened this is back in late days of the dfs boom but there was just an incredible number of sites with um you know it was the the heady days of, of early dfs where there was just so much overlay where there was functionally no rake basically if you balanced out overlay and give backs and breakbacks and promotions, you were basically playing rake free. It was, it was pretty glorious. It was really, really um, hard to lose back at that time, but I would never try to do it concurrently with actually hosting a show. And I never hosted a show until I was able to. And if I, if I uh, changed the day jobs, I, I very possibly might go back and play again, but I, but I wouldn't host then. And there are real times it's marketable. Like I have, I don't want to call anyone out, but there have been major events in the last year where something went squirrely with two minutes before lock. And I went, OK, everyone, here's what we're going to do. Do this, do this, do this. Take this guy out, put this guy in, put everyone else in the late game so you can walk to them, then put as much money as you can in the middle of the table while hosts on other shows are going, oh, crap. And no one's talking because they each have 150 or more lineups and they're they're trying to repair their stuff. And I'm completely sympathetic for that. But a big part of my job is not being otherwise uh inhibited and doing other things for that last hour or two leading up to lock.
1: Well, that makes a lot of sense. It's the same reason why I don't go you know, an hour and a half live before NFL lock or PGA lock, because I go earlier in the morning, I give out what I have to say. And then, you know, if something changes, I want to be able to change my stuff too. Like you talked sure. about, I want to be sitting there just on the computer the entire time, just trying to change my lineups and not being able to do anything. Stefano different for you, you're playing lineups, So what happens at six fifty-five? someone gets yanked. What do you do with your lineups? I mean, honestly, I let Eddie talk
2: a little bit and look at my uh, lineups and and make a few edits. Um, But, you know, the first thing I would do is, you know, so you you see the news. Um, Luckily, I I follow NBA so closely. I know kind of off the top of my head who is directly impacted from that news. So I'm able to make a quick decision. Um, But if I had to look, I I would look at, you know, what is his uh, replacement fantasy points per minute? Uh, How many minutes do I expect him to project? What is a usage difference for his teammates? Because A lot of people think, okay, let's say LeBron James is out. Anthony Davis is playing, but, you know, the people might m- might not realize LeBron James being out has probably a bigger impact on Anthony Davis than it does LeBron James replacement, right? And so you want to know how are LeBron's teammates impacted by, you know, a- a- an absence. And so we have the tools to provide that and we'll get to that with the splits tool. But quite frankly, you, you kind of have to, if it's a last minute, like, you know, 6.57 p.m. news, you kind of have to take a stand and either say, okay, I'm adjusting with this player. I mean, the first thing you have to do is remove the player who's not going to get any fantasy points. Uh, And then you have to see who impacts it and and try and, you know, mix and match your exposures to where you're happy, uh, where you think you can profit off that news.
1: Uh, Eddie, how do you navigate the different size slates. So if it's like a two game slate or a six game slate, or maybe there's an imbalance between early games and late games or vice versa, does that affect how obviously the player pool is going to be bigger, but does that dictate to say, Hey, I don't need to take as big of a chance on a six game slate versus a two game slate, or I want to stack some early games and maybe I can do something and see where I'm at after whenever uh, that might come up, or does it dictate how people should be playing cash games versus GPPs, like a larger slate, GPPs, a smaller slate, cash games. Is there any rhyme or reason to this, or does it depend on the slate itself and the teams that are up?
3: Well, it depends on the slate, the teams, the time of year, um, and the individual involved. And by that, I mean the player, but... Uh, DFS is pretty easy during the preseason because you can play it closer to your belly. It's not as as rich as it was a couple of years ago, but it's still very, very profitable because enough people screw up and it requires a ton of work and other people are invested in in football and other things. So there's not quite as much public information out there. So it's one of those times you can kind of just play the good plays and, and, and again, play it pretty close to your chest. And it tends to be pretty popular. People will screw up and give you their money, especially on slates like tonight. We have, uh, there's eight games tonight, seven of which are on the main slate. Most of them are late. The last game is an hour and a half after the other ones. If you pay attention the whole night, people will make enough mistakes that if you just play decent plays the whole night, you're probably going to get there. So, Preseason is very different from early season, where again, there are more fish in the pond for lack of a uh, you know, better analogy, and um, it's just an easier pool. Whereas if you go four or five months into a season, it has gotten where there's really no easy meat on the bone. And so all those affect things. And then there's just the, the personal tolerance for risk. Some people don't want to lose three days out of four, which every GPP player will period. No matter how good you are, you're going to lose more days than you win if you play GPPs mostly. Maybe not if you're playing max entries and you get enough entries in there that some will balance out with others, but you're going to lose many days if you play GPPs, but some days you'll get paid off 50 to one. If you play cash, you're going to win hopefully about half the time, maybe a little bit more to make yourself profitable, but it's got a lot to do with your tolerance and matching that with um, your desire as a player. And so that's one of the tough things about running the show is you're trying to customize it to speak to as many people as possible, but there's some people who are too withdrawn and just playing it too straight, especially for a sport like basketball that for most of the year projections and data are only going to take you so far. And then there's other people who are too crazy and need to be drawn in a little bit. And so you have to find a way to get your contest to match your style, but definitely two games versus six games. Um, ends up being incredibly different. And um, a lot of it has to do with risk tolerance and, and what kind of player you want to be. There are, there are ways to be a profitable player uh, playing cash and playing tournaments. And most people, you know, after trying both for a while, which is what I really recommend for people starting, will choose, oh, I like this more. And then you can start to refine your process towards what suits you best.
1: Stefano is what is the noticeable difference between building a GPP and a cash lineup for MBA? Because I think about something like golf and no one is safe in golf. Guys miss the cut all the time. The best player in the world can miss the cut, and then you're screwed. I guess you could put in a baseline of projections and give yourself a cut probability made percentage, but I find that versus football, football is easier to build a cash game lineup for. Play the best plays, even if they're chalky. It doesn't really matter. You can kind of get there if your projections are right. In the NBA, how does that work? Because it does seem like... If guys are going to get late scratch most nights and that opens up value somewhere that people don't necessarily see, is playing stars and scrubs just the way to go?
2: I mean, it's all about ownership, right? So in cash, you don't have to worry about ownership too much where you can just kind of play the best place for what Eddie alluded to, where, you know, all right, this player is going to see increased minutes. He's at minimum price. I don't care if he's going to be 80 or 90% owning cash. I'm just going to play him in cash. In GPPs, you have to really you know you have to you have to really think and engage whether this person's ownership is worth it because let's say you have someone who is 60 percent owned in the major gpp and he flops and you have 10 percent, you have massive leverage over the field and that's how you have the ability to potentially hit big right and Eddie talks about you know if you're playing gpps you're probably going to lose three out of four times and, and that was like the, the biggest thing for me to to grasp right i originally started playing just cash and single entry that i have moved into more of a gpp player and understanding that you're going to lose, right, and that's okay. You you want to maximize your winning days. So you you lose three out of four days, and then you win for 10k that that fourth day. You know you're profitable. It's okay that you lost the first three days. So understanding, you know, what your goals are. You know, if you're playing multiple lineups and you're fine to play in the big contests and GPPs. If you're only playing one lineup, I would stick to single entry. Uh, but in terms of cash for GPs, it it's just it's it's about you know. Risk and in in GPs you have to take bigger risks. You can't just play the best plays if you're never going to get that big hit. In cash you can kind of go with the flow with ownership and you know play someone who is eighty ninety percent owning
1: cash and just move on with it. Eddie, what do you find are the biggest mistakes that people make when they first go in? Is it bankroll management and the improper allocation of which tournaments to select? Is it not taking the sort of risks that Stefano's talking about in GPPs where you're gonna lose. You need to come to terms with that if you're actually going to win big at any point. Like, what, what is the learning curve for this stuff that you see that people are like, ah, oh, man, like, just you gotta stop doing that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll at least increase your ROI just a little bit.
3: It's it's a little bit vague, but for me it's treating basketball like it's any other sport. It's not. It's all the way on, on this line of of the sports. And if this is average, all the way at this end is the massively statistically predictable basketball. And I know a lot of people who play all the sports and are profitable at all of them. People whose name, if I drop, you would know, people who make millions of dollars in some sports who constantly lose money at basketball because they treat it the same way. And it's just not the same sport. The um There are people who are like, I'm going to beat basketball with my better projections, which in something like baseball or football, there's still meat on the bone to win there. If you have extra insight or understanding that this guy is more likely to score a touchdown, and you understand why that's going to happen, because this guy is going to get doubled, and that knowledge is A, incredibly valuable, because you're talking about big extra chunks of points, and B, relatively scarce. In, In basketball, no individual bit of information, or very rarely, is something that valuable and everyone knows everything. So just being out there and being like, oh, I'm going to win at NBA DFS because my projections are better is a, is a facile idea. It's mathematically ridiculous to suggest that you could do that. There's just no meat on that bone. The, the analogy I frequently draw is that uh, projections actual just basic data. This is how many fantasy points I think this guy is going to score in fantasy basketball or analogous to sneakers in actual basketball they're necessary. You you can't play without uh, projections. You want them. We have a great set of projections, but uh, much like basketball, um, real basketball and sneakers, they're never going to win you anything. Basically, everyone's got sneakers at this point. If you ran into a guy out there on the court playing in loafers, yes, you will dust his ass because you have sneakers and he doesn't. But it's much like that where people will treat it like it's another sport and think like, oh, I'm going to get these great projections and these are going to cause me to win. That's insane. It's ridiculous. It's it's uh,
1: obviously false on its face. So, Stefano, what do you see the mistakes that people make? Because you're chatting a lot with people in Slack and you're talking to the subs all the time. Uh, do they come to you and be like, hey, I tried this. This didn't work. And you're like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's understanding what your goal is, right? Do you want – are you chasing the big hit or are you just looking to make a little money or are you just looking to have fun? Um, you know, if, if someone's starting out with like a minimal bankroll, let's say they, they're playing – hundred dollars a night right instead of playing one lineup at a hundred dollars a night and this is granted if they have the time to do this but instead of playing one lineup at hundred dollars a night i would recommend you know playing some 20 maxes and maxing a tw- like a, a, a 20 max on on draftkings and playing 20 different lineups and, and figuring out you know how you leverage exposures and ownership and you know and you're kind of you're you're, you're boosting your odds right because you're playing more than one lineup so if one person you know Flops, He doesn't kill your night. And and so if you're not playing big money, I would either recommend sticking to cash, single entry or just playing multiple lineups at that same, you know, kind of uh, price point and and try, you know, mix and match to see what works for you. And at the end of the day, you know, one thing might one thing that someone suggests to you might not exactly work for you. Uh, where it's something that you know, let's say so you just want to play cash and you're doubling up sixty percent of the time, you just stick with cash and it's okay. You know, winning doubling your money sixty percent of the time, right? You're a profitable player. Uh, so it really it depends on what your goal is as a DFS
1: player. Uh, Eddie, if we are looking to construct lineups and find cheap players to put in, is there a position that lends itself better to a cheap price, or is it always just opportunity? Like, is a $4,000 center, and let's say you had a $4,000 center open up and a $4,000 guard open up. Do you take the guard or the center, or is it just whoever actually is in that best opportunity? Yeah, it's probably the one that has the least opportunity
3: cost. Frequently, on, on DraftKings specifically, Um, that center spot is more valuable to you. Um, There's a goodly number of players who are just center and you can play them in just your center and your utility spot. And frequently you're gonna want that for strong producers. We had that last night and the night before, honestly. So in a vacuum more often than not, everything else being equal, you would probably go with the guard, leaving yourself that utility or center free, which tends to be more valuable but it's always the the opportunity cost of that particular slate. There will be days that it's like, wow, I, there are many days I can remember, wow, I really wanna play four point guards. Um, and you can't unless one of them has shooting guard eligibility. You can't play four straight point guards, but you can play three, but you can never play three straight centers. So just by process of elimination and the nuances of of the particular uh, eight person roster construction at DK, more often than not, you'll fall to the center, which also for for a value play tends to be a little safer. Uh, just as, again, nuances of basketball, you tend to have sort of a floor from rebounds if you're playing center, you're some sort of big, so it's a little harder to fall completely on your face. But again, that's going to come down to the individual players. But more often than not, you'll go with the big, I think.
1: So Stefano, over at FTNDaily.com, once again, if you want to get access to the information, all of the premium tools, code Mayo gets you a discount. What are you guys cooking up for the premium tools this year, and how should people use them? So we have advanced EVP and our
2: splits tool. And so I'll start with advanced EVP, which is essentially their quantified player traits, right? And, uh, you know, to understand that, you have to understand what defense versus position is. And that's that's the more commonly used stat that I personally think is dated and is arguably irrelevant. I don't want to say irrelevant, but
3: it's close to irrelevant. I think irrelevant is two kinds. It's too kind. I think the relevant is too kind. I think it is openly distortive. I think if you're telling me this is my process and I can add DVP, standard DVP to it or not, I would do better adding nothing than using DVP as part of my process. I think it's openly distorted. DVP is defense versus position. So that's where you're like, this team is bad against shooting guards. Or so and that's just not how basketball works at all anymore. And who they label as shooting guard is incredibly uh arbitrary. And so I I Yeah. So I think it's actually worse than not necessarily helping you. Like that might've been too generous.
2: No. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned shooting guard, and that's the example I always use. Like why should James Harden and JJ Redick be classified as the same person? Why should they be treated equally? You know, they're completely different players uh, but DVP treats them as the same advanced DVP. We break it down by player traits and, and, and basically we quantify those traits where these players have to fit a certain threshold to qualify and players can, you know, qualify for multiple traits, you can combine traits, and I'll, I'll share my screen now and kind of give a little preview of the advanced EVP tool. So yeah, now we're looking at uh, advanced EVP. This is this is our, our tool. Um, and so here are all of our player traits. We've got Dimer, Primary, Ball Handler, Scorer, Shooter, 3 and D, Low Usage, Rent right Wing, Crafty Finisher, Point Forward, Stretch Big, Rebounder, Rim Protector, Skilled Center, Bench, and Superstar. And if you're curious, of, like for what, you know, how someone may qualify for this trait. We give examples. If you click this I button right by advance um, and a dimer sounds exactly what it is. Uh, and this is kind of used. this is, this is kind of taken from how 2k uh, NBA 2k used the word dimer, where they're a pass first point guard. So someone like Chris Paul usually will qualify as a dimer. Same with LeBron James. Lamello. Uh, and who? Lamello. And Lamello. Yeah. I'm a, high on
3: Lamello ball. He's looking good. Awesome.
2: <laughs> and so, you know, we have Dimer, and this is just looking at it a very basic way, right? So we're only selecting one trait, and so we see the Portland Trailblazers were the best matchup against past first point guards this past year. Um, surprisingly, the Utah Jazz show second, right? And this is some of the power that Advanced DVP has, right? So the Utah Jazz, when looking at DVP, which is sometimes which is the number that you see next to someone's DraftKings name, um, that's either red or green. You know, the Jazz are always known as a elite defense that you know. They don't give up a lot of fantasy points They're not a team you want to attack. What advanced DVP does is allows us to find opportunities where the public might think this is a really bad matchup, but it could be a good matchup for this one individual player with this specific trait. And now what the Jazz do is they kind of sag on the pick and roll. And, you know, Rudy Gobert, as good of a defender as he is, he allows point guards to either take a kind of fairly open mid-range jumper, or will overplay the pick and roll, which will leave the center uh, open to score. And and so it's fun seeing, you know, advanced AVP kind of match the eye test, because when you watch the Jazz, you notice Gobert kind of overplaying it, and the data kind of backs up the eye test. So one thing advanced AVP also does that's really important is it combines traits, right? So people who are primary ball handlers and scorers, this might be someone like James Harden, for example, you know, we see what their matchup is. And this does, this isn't just limited to shooting guards. It also is limited to power forwards, centers, you know, someone like Nikola Jokic qualifies as a primary ball handler as he rightfully should, because he's technically the Nuggets point guard if you have to put a label on it. Um, an, An interesting kind of test case here is you combine primary ball handler, scorer, and bench. And we see, you know, the Celtics are a team, again, that people don't really want to target in to attack, I should say, in DFS, because they are typically a slower paced team that's a really good team defense. You know, you look at their second unit and it makes sense that, you know, their second unit doesn't have the defenders that their starting lineup has. And so, you know, bench, like bench scorers, someone like Lou Williams or Jordan Clarkson have typically done well against the Celtics. And, you know, on a specific slate where maybe the Celtics are playing the Utah Jazz, you know, having a little exposure to someone like Jordan Clarkson last year probably paid off because the Celtics were a bad team uh, in, in this sort of uh, aspect. So where I th- like to use the tool the most, this is kind of a broad overview and a chart of all the uh, the teams and, you know, what their average is against this specific trait or traits, but you scroll down, you can get to player matchups and this is where it's really, really useful. And we see a player and all his traits. Giannis, of course, leads advanced EVP and traits with nine as he should be. Uh, this is a good test case. I would have been worried if Giannis only had one trade. I would have said maybe our uh, our algorithm's a little off. Uh, but so you see the player's traits. Giannis qualifies as a dimer, a primary ball handler, a scorer, a crafty finisher, point forward, stretch, big, skilled center, rebounder, superstar. And quite frankly, someone like Giannis, advanced DVP isn't the most useful tool just because he's kind of match-up proof he does not and he, he's just he's Giannis, right? Um but if you are kind of in a tough 1v1 uh, in superstars, right, you're, you're thinking about Giannis or LeBron James, you just add LeBron James to matchup two. And let's say LeBron is playing the Utah Jazz. So, you know, we see LeBron's traits versus Giannis's traits. And, you know, you you kind of make the decision on your own. OK, do I think LeBron is in a better matchup and money well spent? to Giannis. Is Giannis going to be 40% owned and LeBron only 10% owned, but LeBron maybe sneakily has the better matchup. And that's some leverage you can have on the field. Um, So those are like some kind of fairly basic ways to use advanced EVP and why it's a powerful tool because it it limits, you know, it it, it gives you an edge on what the public is actually looking at. And a lot of people are looking at defense first position, particularly just because it's on the DraftKings homepage and it shows Right next to a player's name when someone's building a lineup
1: so eddie when you spoke about how like this tool is so much better than just having the defense versus position and you were talking a little bit earlier about how you know projections are one thing everyone has projections is adding projections looking through the projections and doing a 1v1 or a 2v2 in terms of price comparison ownership comparison with a tool like this is what you're talking about to get that extra edge
3: yeah, this is this is you know metadata. We'll call it for a second, or metagaming, as we say in game design. It's not just the basic rules of the thing, which is how many points do I think these people are going to score. It's taking it an extra level and talking about things like ownership, which is remarkably critical and incredibly important for being successful. And next level tools, um, uh, and we have stuff like this all the time. And this and this tool uh, encapsulates um, so much of what I try. Uh, to talk about. It's really probably my favorite tool that I've ever seen uh, on a site dealing with basketball. And I've, I've seen a hundred. Um, one of the, uh, uh, it, it's all about sort of going an extra level with, um, so there was a, a sort of a meme in the DFS uh, area of Twitter a couple of weeks ago where someone started a thread that was something like, if they wrote down the top five players in any sport that cost you the most money in DFS, who would they be? And the name I saw the most was P.J. Tucker, because people don't know how to play P.J. Tucker. And it's always been amazing to me. P.J. Tucker, uh, one of my favorite players, love the way that man plays D. But as far as a uh, DFS asset, basically uh, isn't incredibly good at creating his own shot, but still two, three, four, five times a year, James Harden and or His number one runner with whether it be Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook is out and people go, Oh, one of those guys are out. I'm gonna get more PJ Tucker. So PJ Tucker goes from being four percent owned, which is what he's owned on any given Wednesday, to 40% owned, and he's actively worse. PJ Tucker can't create his own shot. So when you have Russell Westbrook and James Harden crashing it at a million miles an hour. P.J. Tucker gets the only way he really gets his offensive game going, which is he makes corner threes. He's very good at making corner threes, but he's not that quick, so he doesn't get that open that often, except if you have James Harden and Russell Westbrook and they're flying around like a pack of bees. So when they're out, he actually takes like one fewer three-pointer a game and makes fewer and scores less fantasy points, but the guy's ownership goes from 4% to 40%, so yes, People keep playing him when he's actively worse and own 10 times as much. And then they're like, yeah, that guy keeps screwing me. And it's like, no, you're not. It's not as simple as this guy is out. I'm going to play other guys on the team. They're going to go off now. So I love that this tool, unlike many, is is nuanced. It's not like DVP, which is the opposite of nuanced. It's taking a, a very, very round thing and trying to pound it into a square hole. Uh, this is really going an extra level and giving you uh, some very refined, subtle data. So I'm, I'm a big fan of this tool. So- and not to kill DVP, sorry, Pat, I don't mean to
2: interrupt. Uh, I was just saying say not to kill DVP completely. What DVP does one thing really well is that it's incredibly simple, right? It says, okay, this is a number, this is a matchup, this is a good number, you should do it. Now, whether that number is correct or not, that's a different argument. So we try and replicate what DVP does, right, and making it super simple. And while this, this tool is complicated on the back end, it's incredibly simple and easy to use and easy to understand. It helps you truly find what the best matchup of the slate is.
1: So what other tools are we running out at fdndaily.com? Uh, so we have the advanced DVP. Obviously, there are projections, there are ownership projections. Is there anything else you want to show off?
2: Yeah, so we have our splits tool right here. Um, and NBA splits essentially is, you know, how does player X do when player players or player X, Y are off the court. And how is the team impacted when a player is off the court? We touched on in the beginning of the show how impactful news is. This is how we measure how impactful that news is. So uh, in our splits tool, we have both team impacts and player impacts on the same page. We'll, we'll start on the team impact. Hey,
3: no, do me a do me a PJ Tucker while you're at it. I'm kind of <laughs> curious. If I put my, my spoon out there. I'm curious, should my uh, experiential watching 100 hours of basketball take match but if you put PJ Tucker on there and then put like Harden and Westbrook in and then give me Harden and Westbrook out I'm pretty sure he's actually worse when they're out and his ownership gets multiplied by some massive factor. so can you do that one This is on the spot if this doesn't come out yeah, like of I course. Expect, I'm not okay. look really dumb but we'll give it a try yeah so
2: we'll switch we'll start with the player um so we'll do Harden do you want Harden and Westbrook off or just one and
3: one i us start with Westbrook where I expect it to be more pronounced because he's literally just crashing all day and he, his three point three pointer is broke. So it's pretty nominal with Harden, I think I'd expect it to be almost even Westbrook should be more uh, demonstrably a positive for for like PJ Tucker, I believe should want him in there.
2: And so the way to do that first off is so uh, you, you, cl- you select your team right we're on player impact we want, we want pj tucker on the rockets you select pj tucker and we can select our player to remove we can select as many players, you want to remove we're just. Uh, selecting Westbrook for now and click fetch and it will give you all the data, you need, and there we go to Eddie's credit. Right with uh, what when in games, sorry, that Russell Westbrook has, has played zero minutes. This is not just when he's off the court. This is when games where Russell
3: Westbrook has not played at all. Okay. He, Tucker actually averages less fantasy points than when. Hey, Russell- hey, look at that. His usage even goes up a little bit, which would make sense because there's a foot over there. But look, he takes he takes a third less of a three pointer. He makes forty percent less of a three pointer, and that's the only way the guy scores points. I mean, you hope to get the double double with him, couple steals, couple blocks, but he, he's actively worse. See? Is, right his,
2: official, his effective field goal percentage and true shooting goes down. His minutes don't really go up at all. They're unaffected. Yeah. Um, Manuel, let's,
3: let's try it with just that's Harden. A, that's over 19 games. So it cracks me up that like five times a year I'm forced to go. Harden's out. Don't play P.J. Tucker. He's just going to be unable to get open. It's not better for him, and he's going to be ten times as much on. Play anybody but P.J. Tucker I have to do about once a month.
1: So we'll you, see, uh, you, you can toggle this to games they sit and just moments where they're off the court, right? Yep, exactly. And that's what
2: ours that's what our splits tool is different from uh, like the industries, right? And this tool is available on other sites and it's a great tool anywhere. Uh, what I really wanted to add to ours that I haven't seen is the difference when someone plays zero minutes, when they're actually not playing in the game and when they're just off the court and how you can use both to their kind of impact. Ah, uh, for that I'm gonna to switch to the Brooklyn Nets. Just checking this uh, PJ Tucker versus James Harden kind of one right now, and yeah, there's no, there's really no positive impact when Harden sits for yeah, PJ he's,
3: Tucker. He's, he's very very slightly is a little higher on rule, apparently, but it's it's almost no change. He scores less on on draftings right there, so he goes down on DraftKings and his ownership goes up by a factor like it's it's a real so, thing. A Lot of red there. Using the difference on how to use zero minutes and off the court
2: effectively, right? So this is a common occurrence last year where Kyrie Irving was out. How does it affect Karras Levert, right? And so we just look at the basic, you know, Karras Levert in games, Kyrie Irving has played zero minutes, and we'll let that load up right now. And so we saw Levert only really saw a one and a half, 1.6 minute uh, bump. His Fanduel points per game were up 5.65. His usage was up 1.8% uh when looking at like just uh, uh i guess when making my first like look i prefer doing per minute over per game per game is great to see where the players minutes bump come uh, and that, that's really important because that that averages out and you can see okay this player you might think gets 18 minutes but he actually only gets four minutes when this player doesn't play uh, but looking at it from a per minute perspective is the best way to do it because then you kind of project your own minutes so we saw lavert with just Kyrie off in just games Kyrie didn't play his fantasy points per, his drafting points per minute went from 1.13 to 1.25. And that's that's a pretty fairly noticeable difference. His usage went up 1.84%. Now, we have Kyrie off the court. What is Levert's kind of, numbers when he's off, when Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie are off the court. And this is important because Levert isn't just going to play 48 minutes with Spencer Dinwiddie. When Kyrie's not playing, he's going to play probably five to eight minutes of the game, potentially even 10 plus minutes without Spencer Dinwiddie. And this is where Levert's going to see his mega usage bump, right? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where you see the Levert ceiling games where, you know, we, you see Kyrie and Spencer off the floor, um, you know, he gets a 0. 0.22, 0. 0.26, I should say, DraftKings point per minute bump. His usage goes 9%, which is a massive, massive difference. And so you're getting, Karis LeVert's getting the initial bump with just Kyrie Irving not playing. And he's getting a, let's say, a five to 10 minute further bump once he's in the game with Spencer Dinwiddie out.
3: That's
1: pretty. Yeah, what's amazing
3: is like your true shooting is up, your effective field goal percentage is up. Usually when you take out talented players like that, you would expect some of the efficiency to drop off in the name of volume, but uh, over a pretty good sample size of 327 minutes there, he was slightly more efficient with those guys out. That's the really impressive part for me at an Igoan.
1: So, Stefano, if you go back to the main uh, tools screen and the content screen at FTNDaily.com, when you're behind uh, the subscription wall, uh, and once again, FTNDaily.com, you get the subscription, you use code Mayo, you get a discount on it, which is just fantastic stuff. Uh, if you're, I mean, this is just mind-blowing to me. Uh, this is not what I thought I'd be doing trying to get into NBA. was like, okay, now I need to learn the rotations a little bit easier for myself. But what other stuff is behind there?
2: So we have our lineups page, um, which is, that's important. We know this will, this will show, you know, who's starting oh, Well, obviously it's not showing right now because it's in preseason. Uh, so I'll, 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 go to NBA news, but you know, this is where we can track news and this is, you know, let's say you can't be in our chat. And I highly recommend being in our discord chat, uh, cause that's where you'll get up to date news to the second. Uh, but this is also up to the, up to the, up to date news to the second. Uh, and you can search, you know, we see Chris S We'll search LeBron James. Let's see if there's any news, um, and, you know, this will give you basically updates on, you know, how you want to build your lineups and what news might impact your lineups. We have our stats page, uh, which basically just shows you all the basic stats you need to know. And these are free things. Uh, and I'm starting with the free things because I, I want to entice people to kind of get a taste if they're on the fence. We have we have things that, that are actionable that they can use. Um, and we'll go to
1: DraftKings, DFS. So you can use this for both the free tools that you can use up at ftndaily.com are you can use for season long and DFS.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, and yeah, you, you can use them for both. And we have the, the, the NBA stats for season long and DFS. They're just, they're relevant for both. And you, and you can tell, you know, you can use it how you want, right? And these are fairly basic stats, but it's a stat hub and it's important, right? We'll also, it's not live right now, but we'll also have a free tool that will show fantasy point per minutes per game, uh, which will kind of take, a premium, a part of the premium splits tool that we just had, and move it to the free side. Uh, and on the premium side, we have our exposures, our cheat sheets. And so this is going to be a different view than other people have because I am an admin on the site. Um, but from a user's standpoint, uh, you know they will have players' exposed, like our, our our teams' exposures, right? So one of our guys who uh, yeah, he actually hosts with uh, with Eddie on his his stream right before lock. He hit for 25K on the first day of preseason. His exposures to that hit were on this page. And so you can see, OK, he played. I'm just using LeBron James again as an example. 15% of LeBron James. He played 25% Andre Drummond. And so you know exactly what our experts are doing and what their exposures are. And this is updated all the time. Uh, we have our optimizer, our saber sim optimizer, and I know you've had Kyle on before explaining the the NFL one. We have the same thing for NBA, um, and you know, you, it's it's a, if you're looking to play multiple lineups or maybe 150, maybe 20, this is a tool that you need to have essentially. And I think they're actually doing updates on the tool right now uh, with the season upcoming. Uh, okay, there we go. Now it's loading. But yeah, I mean, if you're playing 150 lineups, unless like it's a tall ask, I would say, to build 150 NBA lineups by hand, especially with all the late news coming. So you're going to need an optimizer. Uh, and we've got a very good one with Saber Sim, and they include Kyle Murray's projections, which are critical. Um, from other, other things we have from Kyle Murray, we have ownership and projections. Um, and this is probably Eddie's, I'll say, or favor, second favorite after advanced EVP. I want to pat myself on the back because he was so, so kind about advanced EVP. But he's right where... You know, you need ownership projections for NBA. You need to figure out how do I leverage against the field. And Kyle Murray has them. Uh, we have our preseason projections from yesterday. up. The ownership is not up right now for preseason. But on this page, you know, this is where you get Kyle's ownership and his player projections. Uh, and so we had Luca projected for 52 yesterday. It was a little high, but Kyle's usually spot on. But that's not his fault. It's preseason and Rick Carlisle didn't give uh, Luca his his full minutes. And and that's 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 from a tools perspective. That's kind of what we have. I don't want to leave out Eddie Fears' rankings. I'm not sure if these are showing yesterday's rankings, but these are very valuable. And I'll let you kind of talk about it. Eddie.
3: Oh, I just go through the slate and give everybody a one to ten ranking in both cash and GPPs. Uh, cash, looking at um, you know, well, well, cash contests and and how solid they're going to be in GPPs, being you know what sort of ceiling they possess and and what chance I think they have of getting to that upside. But I, I actually use DraftKings and the other end. Um, I know a lot of people use it for this, is it's also my player pool. And I update this. I think I did 14 updates yesterday. Um, but this is if you're playing 150 lineups, this is every player I would have at least one share of. So some people have automated and tracked that a number seven means this and a number four means this, and they they go through and figure out um, you know, exactly how to translate that and they can just sort of base their entries on this. So I update it constantly um through the show, but uh that was uh that, that that'd be what that there is. And yep, from a content perspective, I know we're talking about the
2: tools right now, but I don't want to leave it our content. Um, you know, again, we have we'll have two live streams. We'll have me uh and Kyle Murray leading up uh from five to six PM Eastern, uh, right until the fast alive with Fast City Fear. I, I always mix up the names, I don't want to cause any drama again. People um, get
3: yeah but, grumpy about the names because <laughs>
2: Uh, but live with Fast Eddie Fear, uh, which is the pre-lock show from six to seven PM, which will feature also Kawhi Eisenberg. Uh Shout out him; he, he's a stud and he's excellent at what he does.
3: Yeah. Um, he's actually and- a college basketball coach. Just like yeah. I like to throw that out there, so he uh, he knows himself some maxes and those. And if you're looking for some more free content, we're going to have a free morning
2: kind of first look game by game breakdown written by both Joe Metz and Adam Pfeiffer. We'll have a Cash Core article. I'll do some tiers stuff because uh, NBA tiers. Become more and more popular, and uh, you know it's it's a fun game. I highly recommend people uh, if they're worried about news uh, and they can't check, uh, I guess, from that six thirty to seven p.m. And you really want to play, I would I would recommend trying Tears out, where it's less relevant on news, and uh, it's it's a really good drafting game. I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of it. And so we have a a ton of everything. Uh, We want to be a one-stop shop and we want you to be able to consume all of our content. And, you know, that kind of sums it up.
1: Uh, Last thing that I want to get to with this, uh, and Eddie, I guess we'll go to you first on it. Is there anything that you can really take away from either player props or totals in these games, like people try to do in football or baseball with run totals and team totals? Or is the NBA so individualistic that you could have a team with a low total, but you know you want a player on that team because they have such a high usage rate?
3: Well, I think, I think Vegas is smart. I give Vegas a, a lot of credit. So I think for both props and over-unders, those are very useful points of data uh so correctly incorporate into your system or your projections or, or whatever you want to use it for for me the tough part of fantasy sports or daily fantasy sports has always been figuring out how to weigh the various pieces of data like there are seven basketball games tonight and to talk about each one there are literally 75 pieces of data i can use. so which ones do i care about at all and then how do i rank those so um I worry about over unders because they're an overused tool sometimes where people are just like, this is the fastest game of the night. I'm going to play a lot. And there's a real difference between when one game has a 235 over under and then there's four other games and they're all under 220. And then when there's the top game is a 235 over under, the others are 233, 232, 231, in which it's largely negligible. So I worry because I frequently see that statistic misused and that people don't draw sort of that subtlety with the fastest game of the night and turning a nuanced discussion of the actual over-unders into an ordinal, you know, two, 220, 221, 222, 231, 235 are very useful data points. Reducing that to five four three two and 1, not as useful. And I see that done a lot. So I'm always um, a little wary of that occurring, but uh, player props I, I find to be very useful. They're obviously occasionally um a beatable thing uh but uh yeah I, I, I like using vegas as as a very relevant data point they are right uh more often than almost any single person was one of the reasons i liked dfs and was big into dfs much more so than i was ever into sports betting was i was convinced that i could beat that guy and that guy and that guy a lot easier than i could beat vegas
1: so Stefano, how do you approach both the Vegas Lions player props and try to incorporate that into your process, if at all? Is it like a starting point to say like, oh, hey, like this game is 20 more points than everything else. Maybe I'll start start with that game and see what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the the first thing I, I do when I when I open up the slate and I do my research is I look, I look at the Vegas totals. Right. You want to see what game has the highest total because. Typically that game, if your game has a higher point total, there's going to be more fantasy points in it. Uh, and that leads to pace, right? And so if you're unsure what, what pace does, you know, just just look at Vegas totals and that incorporates a team's pace and defensive rating already. So just meshing the stats and you, you see, okay, this is probably the highest scoring game in this in this slate. And if it's not the highest scoring game, it's going to be played at a great pace where there's going to be more rebounding, steals opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I highly recommend looking at totals. Um, You know, my, my kind of process with player props is, you know, I I use our tools and and leverage the news that we get um, to see if Vegas is right or wrong. And I do think it's really important to understand that, you know, Vegas spends a lot of money to make sure these projections for their props and their odds are correct. And so they're usually pretty spot on, right? A lot of the time you find yourself, you're like, okay, I have over 27 and a half points for LeBron James. He had 27 points. Uh, like, you know, whatever. I mean, they're usually spot on. So using them as an indicator to see, okay, Vegas likes this person. Um, and, you know, I, I think he's going to be 5% owned and Kyle Murray has him at 7% owned. And Giannis projects similarly, uh, according to Vegas at 20% ownership, you can use those kind of player pops to to justify making a decision whether to be over over owning uh, a certain player,
1: right? Uh, so it's just a baseline projection that you can use for your research. Okay, once again, you have the content that is up there. You have all of the tools at FTNDaily.com. So you don't care what anyone has to say about the research that you do. FTNDaily.com, these premium tools, sound like they're for you. Use code Mayo to get yourself a discount on that. But if you want to use the tools and get the color on it and how to use them properly and really have someone explain to you what they're saying, Eddie, once again, when is your stream going to be live every day? Uh, today
3: I'm on and I'm on for two hours today in the preseason I basically cover cover both shows, so I'm doing a couple hours a day. So I'll be on five to seven today, but most days you will find NBA basketball running off at about 7
1: p.m Eastern and I should be on from six to seven, about six days a week. And Stefano, what can be expected from you behind this paywall uh, every single day during the season? I'll be on right before Eddie
2: from 5 to 6 p.m. Well, with Kyle Murray, we're going to be breaking down the slate. Uh, just again, from an analytical standpoint, I'll be breaking down like how I use the tools, what matchups I like with the tool. Kyle will be talking about ownership and his projections and how he got to that process. And We're going to go game by game, breaking down the slate, giving you a, a, a complete overview, overview and analytical overview, I should say, of you know what to come to help you make the best decision uh, possible.
1: All right, that will do it. On the Pat Mayo Experience, once again, smash the like button to the episode in the comments section. Tell me your favorite NBA DraftKings tips that you have utilized to win some cash over the years. Other than that, subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Download the podcast, Pat Mayo Experience. Subscribe to that as well. Leave a rating and review if you enjoyed. And FTNDaily.com, code Mayo to get yourself a discount on all of the content up there behind the wall right now. Good luck in the NBA this year. I know I'm going to need it, but less so luck now. Now that I have these
0: tools at my disposal, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call.